Hello and welcome to the Health Hacks podcast, the podcast for high-performing professional females looking for practical ways to optimize all areas of their health and wellness. At Health Hacks, we understand that as a busy female, you wear numerous hats throughout your working week. You're trying to juggle it all, while also looking to carve out time to prioritize your own goals. It's challenging. It's therefore our mission to channel your energy into the areas that are going to help give you the biggest bang for your buck, to really make significant changes to your lifestyle in the most efficient way possible. So at the moment, if you feel as though you need more energy, you want to feel more productive to improve the quality of your sleep, to lower stress, to increase confidence, to show up better in both your personal and your professional relationships, this podcast is for you. If it's time you prioritize your health, learn to fuel your body, found time for exercise, and said goodbye to fad diets and inconsistent behaviors for good, this podcast is for you. If it's time for you to step into the shoes of the high performer you know you can be, this is the right podcast for you. Join me and my guests as we take you through the Health Hacks podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is for you if you'd love to improve your relationship with food once and for all. Maybe you're someone who's great at fueling their body with nutritious, healthy food throughout the day, but when you get home, you sit on the sofa and relax, that's when you find the uncontrollable behavior start. Maybe you find yourself mindlessly grazing throughout the day, or maybe you feel you use food as an emotional crutch when stress levels rise throughout your working week. The magnitude of emotional and binge eating in 2023 is huge. It shows up in many different forms for many different people and for a multitude of reasons. Today, with the help of Wendy Francis, I'm looking forward to lifting the lid on emotional and binge eating. And as ever, if you've been following the podcast for a while, you'll know our ethos is to offer practical tools if you feel I'm speaking to you right now, if this is resonating. If you love what we do at Health Hacks, there are three ways that you can help support us. Number one, if anything that we have ever said has been useful to you, it's been a golden nugget of information that you've been able to take away and apply, we would love it if you could hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does help us grow the platform and ultimately the more ears that we can reach, the better. The wonderful guests that we can bring to the platform expands. It's a win-win situation for everyone. So hit that like button follow or subscribe button. The second way is to share on your social media platforms. We love to see where the podcast is being listened to all over the world. I get the statistics in at the at the end of each week and we can see how far reaching the podcast is and it's, it's quite astounding. And the third thing, if you have recently had a conversation with someone close to you, maybe a friend, colleague, family member, a partner, and the topic could benefit from uh, an episode that we have covered. Maybe you've spoken to a friend recently about their emotional attachment with food and how they wish they could they could remedy that. Send them an episode, send them to us and let them explore and dive into, into our world. Like I say, hopefully help them and offer value in the same way that we have for you. 
Okay. If our message resonates with you and you feel that we would be the right team to help you personally on your health, fitness and wellness journey, get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. If one-to-one -one coaching is something that you have considered for a while and you think that we might be the right fit, let's find out. Let's jump on a 15-minute discovery call and find out more about you and your lifestyle, but crucially where you want to go for the remainder of 2023. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Wendy Francis. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Health Hacks podcast. Today on the podcast, I'm so pleased to be joined by best-selling author and recognized speaker, Wendy Francis. Wendy also hosts her own podcast platform, Overcoming Emotional Eating, where each week you can join her on her mission to help you overcome emotional eating. If you want to finally find freedom around food, this is the show for you. We're going to be taking a deep dive today into the subject of binge eating, and I'm so pleased to be doing so with Wendy's expertise. Firstly, welcome to Health Hacks. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, Wendy, we're so pleased to be hosting you today. I wonder, before we get into today's episode uh, around emotional and binge eating, if we can find out a little bit more about you and how you've arrived in your uh, where you are today and helping people that you do all over the world in the way that you do. Sure. I mean, it's been quite a journey. Um, I've been in the field for 30 years now. Um, so it's been, it's been a long time. Um, I, I realistically started on my journey when I was born, which sounds odd, but true. Um, I was born to a mom who was a single mother who had mental illness and still does to this day. And so without knowing it, I became an early psychologist because I had to figure out her and her moods and what she needed and what she wanted and how to weave through that as I grew up. So I wanted to be a psychologist early on, a therapist, um, but, but kind of sidetracked, so to speak, in uh, my undergraduate degree where I got uh, a degree in nutrition, um, lived with 10 girls um, and was really beginning to understand the dynamics behind eating disorders and understood that I really wanted to combine nutrition with therapy and make those cohesive because understanding your relationship with food can really help you understand your relationship with yourself. So I started on a quest to really um, embody that. So from my graduate degree in counseling uh, and psychology, nutrition education, and then further into trauma and eating disorder work in private practice for 20 years and then went on become a life and business coach with Tony Robbins. You know, through my years, I've, I've learned a lot from my clients. I've learned a lot from my friends, fortunately or unfortunately, who uh, many people are fraught with various facets of eating disorders. And the first 18 to 20 years of my career, I really focused on anorexia, bulimia, and compulsive overeating. So more of the extreme aspects of what we now know as eating disorder realms. Um, and loved it very much, worked with a lot of adolescents. As I've grown up, so has my client base. And so now I work a lot more with um, high professional women, uh, women more in their you know, 40s, 50s, and 60s, who really want help with their emotional eating and their binge eating. Although I still do work with anorexia and bulimia, I've kind of come full circle in working in a different realm and, and stratosphere. So that's where I, that's how I got here was from an early interest in psychology um, and then a love for nutrition. 
And then the understanding that if we combine both, we can really not only hack our health, as you say, but um, you know, really change ourselves internally and externally uh, for, for the better, so. Love that. Wendy, I, when I was doing a deep dive into you, your background and, and your podcast, there is a line in your, on your website that said you had a, a deep calling to really mm-hmm. move into, into this space. And mm-hmm. you, you're incredibly passionate about, about your delivery. Do you mind my asking, was it living with them um, in the environment that you grew up in and living with 10, 10 girls? I can't even imagine what that household was like. Did you suffer from eating disorders or disordered eating patterns growing up? I think it's a great question. I'm going to say on the forefront that I have been uh, oddly blessed in a way because I've never gotten to the point where I've had to be hospitalized or needed significant help. Do I think I probably had some facet of orthorexia at times? Um, I, I think we we all do as women. And my quest now, as I have learned to really love my body, love my food, you know, love who I am is to really help empower other women to do that. Because I think we, and, and men do it too. So don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm definitely not, uh, you know, not pro men and it can happen to men more, way more now than ever. But the truth is, as women, we have a lot of pressure on us to be everything, to look not just thin, but look muscular, look strong, be strong, work, take care of the kids, build this, make the money, clean the house. We have a significant amount of pressure. And as I'm continuing to learn on this journey of being a woman, I, I find it um, empowering that I have been able to dabble in some of the experiences that my clients go through, but I haven't been um, immersed in the way that some of my clients have. Amazing. I think it's, it's, it's important to get the context there. And you almost expressed surprise that you've managed to evade the um, the uh, disordered eating patterns. And I also read a, a statistic on your website, the American Psychological Association reports that almost 40% of people have eaten in response to stress in the past 30 days. I think it just puts into context the magnitude of the problem, doesn't it? It does. I mean, the, the problem is astounding. Whether you talk about significant anorexia, bulimia. Um, But, you know, in in that trajectory that I worked in for so many years, we talk smaller statistics. But as you bring the spectrum of disordered eating, emotional eating to the table, we see that the statistics radically increase, which is a shame, realistically, because we have forgotten how to eat, which is a primal need. It's a, it's, it, we were given the ability when we're born to be hungry and to cry and to eat and get full and to stop. And we have lost that ability to regulate. And that to me is sad. And that's why I have so much passion for this because I really want everybody to learn how to honor their body, honor themselves, regardless of what size they are. 
or what they eat and to really put mental and physical, spiritual and emotional health at the forefront. Because we can't escape it. We've all got to eat. And right. even if they invented a pill that would give us everything we needed in in one meal, it, no, food is a, it's a social occasion, isn't it? It's, it's a joining around a meal. It's part of our, our lives. It's a, it should be a, a source of happiness and fulfillment and joy for a lot of us. But in actual mm. fact, for a whole host of people, it's very fear inducing. Mm -hmm. It's true. I mean, I think that, um, that, you know, that that's, that's the real part of the issue, you know, and my clients have expressed this to me since the beginning of my practice and my practicum and, you know, that to, to recover from alcoholism or drug addiction, um, is hard. And I do not want to trade that for anything. I will not take that away from that facet of addiction, gambling, porn. It's all difficult to recover from, but food is the hardest. I really believe that because you have to eat every day. You can't be abstinent and people will eat in front of you and not think twice about it. Versus if you're with someone who has been an alcoholic, you do think twice about drinking in front of them or offering them a drink. You know in your mind, hey, he or she had a problem. We're going to hold off on the wine tonight, right? But somebody who's recovering from an eating disorder or has an emotional eating issue and nobody knows, because that is the difference in emotional eating, is that it's very hidden. A lot of people don't know it and they mask it. But we'll offer them a piece of cake because we don't even know what it's doing to them inside, right? So it makes it so much more difficult to regulate this part of addiction, at, so to speak, and overcoming it and to really move into that because you've got to eat all the time, every day. And for some people, it's their love language. I'm just thinking of my mother. It's very often her love language. Eat this, have this. And it's always in abundance. And Wendy, I think it might be valuable to set the scene slightly in what we mean by emotional and, and binge eating versus mm. disordered eating patterns. I think that would be valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it is true because I think so often people mistake emotional eating for binge eating. And they are different. There are diagnostic criteria for binge eating disorder or compulsive overeating. We have diagnostic criteria for that. But emotional eating is a little bit different. Emotional eating really just resides in the fact that you eat out of emotion, whether it be stress, uh, boredom, uh, hunger, well, not necessarily hunger, right? But stress, boredom, um, sleep deprivation, fear, anxiety, anger, right? We, worry. We could go on and on, right? So eating out of emotion is what emotional eating is. Now we all do it at some times because we're a human being and we have emotions. So we are all going to eat out of emotion at some point in our life. But there are many people that tip because they are constantly doing it or they're fraught in a pattern of emotional eating. So they're doing it every night, they're doing it every weekend, they're eating on the couch, they're in their pantry. And so that's what emotional eating is. And emotional eating lies dormant. Binge eating is a little bit different because they're more of the people that you might think of who 
maybe go out and make that intentional binge. They may buy the gallon or two of ice cream, the 12 pack of donuts. Emotional eating is are the people that come home every night, they eat their dinner, and then they sit on the couch and eat a bag or two of chips because they're just trying to distract from their life. And many people fall in the emotional eating realm, which is a little bit different than binge eating. Why, in your opinion, do you think we need to have food as a coping mechanism in 2023? Why are we using it to escape? Because we need to escape, right? Um, No, I, I, I say that and smile, but it's, I think that there are so many reasons, but our, our, our country, our world right now, there's a lot going on. We rarely connect with people. I just read a statistic. Let me think if I can quote it correctly. That in 2010, okay, in, in 1983, they interviewed people and three out of four people said that they had a best friend. In 2010, they interviewed people and found out that only one out of four people said they had a best friend. And after 2020, that statistic went down. They just can't quote it because it's less than one. It's sad, isn't it? It's sad. So we don't have friends to connect with. We don't feel connected in communities. We don't connect to nature. We don't connect to ourselves. So what that happens is it creates a a magnanimous hole in us. And we have to fill that. For those of us that are scared, like I used to be scared to drink when I was little because both my parents were alcoholics. So I used to be afraid to drink, right? When people are really scared to drink, they don't want to like lose their life over alcohol or drugs. And maybe they're not into porn or gambling. So what's safe? It's food, right? So if we're not connected with ourselves and we have that hole, we have to fill it with something. And food is an easy fix. In terms of the consequences of this, I mean, we're talking on a societal level here about deeper rooted issues regarding uh, connection, which I don't think COVID helped, let's face it. But it's in terms of the consequences on a personal level to our mind, body, soul, mm-hmm. if we keep engaging in this behavior, Wendy, what does this look like for our health in all of those areas further down the line? Yeah. So, I mean, most people know about the physical consequences, um, whether that be right, anything related to gaining weight or obesity, right? Diabetes, blood pressure, heart disease, um, cancer, stroke, high blood pressure, right? So we have the physical aspect of, of shift that we know that can happen. But I think what interests me even more is the mental shift that happens. The lack of self-worth, the lack of self-esteem, the lack of feeling like I matter, the, the, um, the loneliness, the desperation, and the hopelessness, because that impacts somebody's soul, and that's the long-term consequence. And that's devastating because 
if you don't have that self-worth, if you don't feel like you're worthy, how can you eat good? If you don't feel good about yourself, you don't do good for yourself. You just don't. So those consequences to me are even more sad than the physical health consequences. And then marry those two together and you have a real dormant, uh, real issues waiting to happen uh, mm-hmm. from all areas. Mm-hmm. Wendy, I've spoken to a number of clients who, and our demographic is, is very similar to the ladies you work with. So mm-hmm. busy lives, demanding jobs, typically, potentially right. multiple children, husband, maybe busy household. They're wearing numerous hats over any one day and they are, they're trying to do it all. And they will very often describe to me that evening time, the the time when they get home, you know, yeah. it's like you put your hair up, you take your bra off, you put your comfy clothes on and you, you sit at the sofa at the end of the day, you maybe put a, a box set on and that is their time. And it's maybe the only hour in the day that they get to themselves. And that's often not always but very often when this behavior uh, mm-hmm. will rear its head is this typical behavior is this what you see a lot of the time a lot um especially because we don't have good ways to learn to unwind like we don't not everybody has learned to have a hobby or a passion or a love we don't teach that in school We don't go, okay, instead of math today, let's figure out what you love to do, right? Like we don't do that. And if you don't have a mentor or a guide or a parent who helps you do that, well, then you come home from work and what do you do, right? There's, there's no passion there. There's no, I'm going to go out in the garden or I'm going to make a puzzle or right? Or I'm going to listen to music on high volume or whatever it is. And, and there, there's no space to decompress. And so food becomes that food becomes that decompression. Food becomes that reward Fruit food becomes that friend food becomes that everything at night. Everything that we're missing, right? Yeah. Right. It can, it can jump in anywhere. I mean, that's the interesting thing. Right. Food can be a reward. Food can be your friend. Food can be connection. Food can be intimacy. Right. Mm-hmm. Food, food can take place and shape of a whole lot of things. So. If someone is listening to this and they are potentially they're listening to this, maybe on a walk, driving, commuting, and they're nodding their head, Wendy, to everything that you're saying. And they're thinking, oh, my goodness, she is just talking to me. She is she's she's seeing me. She's talking mm. to, to me and I can identify with so many of these behaviors. Mm. You mentioned there about passions and hobbies and, and feeling fulfilled. Do mm-hmm. you encourage your clients to look outwards and to find something else in their life? I do because find something that speaks to their soul because we're not taught that. Like what really lights you up? What really fills you up? Is it like gardening? Is it watching the sunset? Is it, um, I don't know, laying on your rug, (laughs) but is it taking a bath? Um, but we, 
we do need things. I mean, we're human, right? So we do need things to fill up our soul, to give us rewards. We need rewards, right? But it's really the reward, whether we give it to ourselves or we find something external that gives it to us. So I am, I am, and I also know that if you have a passion, if you have a love of what you do, like I love what I do. And I do believe that part of how I avoided all the pitfalls of drugs and alcohol and, and, uh, gambling, I'm not a porn person, but you know, I don't, whatever it is, what it is. Um, and food is because I have loved what I've done since I've been 19 and found this. So whenever I'm in the space with my clients or teaching or speaking or writing around this, my dopamine is firing. Boom, 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 boom. And when other people find their passion, right, their dopamine fires. And what that does is enables the brain not to have to use food to do that. So that's why finding those things that light you up help you because your dopamine in your brain fires and you don't need food as much. Yeah. Does everyone have a passion, do you think? Yes. I don't believe that we're born here just to exist. I don't believe we come to this planet to just hang out for 70 or 80 years. I believe everybody has a gift and everybody has a passion and your job here is to figure out what it is and then bring it to the world. That's the job. Yeah. Wendy is someone who similarly loves what they do. And I've fallen into, into this world later in life. I tried a different route and it didn't quite work out for me. So I fell into this world a little bit later. Sometimes you might feel this too. You feel a little bit guilty for loving what you do because unfortunately it's such a rarity in this world mm, now. And, and sometimes I, I feel as though I, I can't say to someone, just find something you love. Mm, you, well, you're right because it's not that easy. Sometimes people are lucky. Well, I hate the word luck. Sometimes people are gifted with being shown what they love. I do believe, though, that we've all give, be given that gift. I just think some people hear the whisper and some people don't. And so you heard the whisper and I heard the whisper and we acted on it. And so part of what I do with clients a lot of time is I'll go back. Okay, what were things like when you were a child? What, what called you? What did you love? I don't care if it was making mud pies. Let's talk about mud pies. I, you know, I don't care if it was riding your bike up and down the street 500 times. Let's talk about that. Because somewhere in there, there was a whisper of this is what you're meant to do. <laughs> and maybe we couldn't hear it because everything was too noisy around us. Right. But finding that helps, you know, even if you're working, even if you still have to work, I don't know in a job that you don't love, you can still do the passion on the side until it builds, right? So yeah, I, I get it 
I, it's hard to have conversations sometimes with people who are not happy in their job. Totally understand that, you know, cause I'm like, what? Sorry. I don't, I don't get it. Um, <laughs> but I, for my clients, I do believe that it's a really amazing journey that they can take with me because I heard the whisper and I'm still hearing whispers. How my career began in private practice has literally continued. You know, I opened four, besides my private practice, I've opened four businesses, um, three in the last 10 years, two that have hit over a million dollars. Um, and I love being a businesswoman. I heard a different whisper, right? So I love that. I love public speaking. Um, and I didn't find that out until 10 years ago. And I heard a whisper because, you know, I was the person in high school that didn't want to public speak. And I was a person in college who my professor in public speaking probably thought I was going to fail because my first speech, I got up and literally just trembled and cried and like sat down. And the second speech that we had to do that semester, he said to me, all I want you to do is get up in front of the class. I want you to have it prepared. But all I want you to do is get up. I stood up in front of the class and I started trembling and he saw it and he said, pick your head up, look at everybody, just look. And he said, everyone in the class, I just want you to look at her, just look. And he said, recognize no one's going to hurt you. And all of a sudden I started to calm down. I gave my speech. I got an A in the class and that was the birth right? Of where I could begin to see what I did. So I, all I'm saying is we all have those whispers and whether you take them up in life when you're 40, cause I didn't really start doing public speaking until I was 40 ish. Um, or you take it up when you're 30 or take it up when you're 70, hear the whisper because that's what leads you to your purpose. I love that one. I think very often when we it's almost like lifting our head out of the sand. And when we're open to the idea, it's so funny how things arrive to us, isn't it? When we open our eyes and our ears and we're just more conscious of what what's around us. I call it luck, but it, it very often seems to make an appearance. Um, funny, the podcast actually started a bit of a passion project for me. And, uh, and now here we are. So if anyone is uh, thinking about pursuing those, I can't encourage it anymore. As part of the podcast, we're always very mindful about equipping our listeners with practical and tangible tools that they can use. Mm -hmm. And like I say, I'm sure there are many individuals listening to you, Wendy, feeling inspired, but also hearing you as you, as you speak to them on an individual mm -hmm. basis. Mm -hmm. I love the Viktor Frankl quote, between stimulus and response, there's a space in that space is our power to choose our response. In our mm -hmm. response lies our growth and our freedom. Mm -hmm. When I was thinking about binge eating and emotional eating in this context, I was thinking about the individual who sits down on that sofa in the evening and they get this stimulus. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then they act out the response. And then very often with my clients in, in the early days, they will report back to me feelings afterwards of, of guilt and I wish I hadn't done that and if I could only have stopped myself in the moment mm -hmm. it's that space in the middle and Wendy I'd love us to be able to put together some tools that clients could use 
to engage with and process those triggers in a way yeah. that would be more um, applicable to them and, and to help them long term. So here's something I use with clients. Are you ready? You want to try it with me? Absolutely. So that you're listening. Okay. So, um, and you just said, we're both sitting down. So if, uh, if you guys are listening and you're not sitting down, please wait until you're sit you sit down to do this one. Okay. But most people, when they get that stimulus to eat are sitting, whether they're on a couch or they could be walking around their kitchen, but then I'll usually ask them to find a place to sit in their kitchen for just a minute. Just set your timer on your phone for 60 seconds. Cause I know sometimes it feels like a long time and that's what makes us want to get up. Right. But just set the timer on your phone for 60 seconds and sit somewhere. So when you sit, you're going to briefly close your eyes. So I'm going to do it now. So you're going to close your eyes and then you're going to feel both feet on the ground, feel them in your shoes or feel them on the wood floor or feel them on the carpet, move them and feel them. And then take a deep breath in. So you bring it all the way up to the back of your spine, back of your head, up your head, and then release. And then I want you to feel your sit bones in the chair. So you can move them. You can move your um, hip sit bones around and feel yourself planted. And then another deep breath. And then release all the way down. So you can feel that breath come through your sit bones, through your quads, down your knees, into your feet and onto the floor. Now you can open your eyes. Do you feel different? One day I didn't realize I had so much tension in my feet. Ah, it's a good learning lesson, isn't it? Oh my goodness. You've just, I'm doing guided meditation at the moment and you have literally just can't, you notice my shoulders just dip. I've just relaxed into, yeah. wow. We don't realize where we carry tension until we do. And I didn't even do a full body scan there because most of the time, when clients are in a stimulus response, like you talked about, it's really hard to do a full body scan. So that's why I just go feet to sit bones and back to feet. It also grounds us into the earth and allows us to decompress. Stimulus reaction comes from the ability or inability to feel grounded. So when you plant and you relax, you have less of the desire to react to the stimulus. So even if you can just do that, it can help you. Amazing. Honestly, I feel, my body feels so heavy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? When you come out of your head and down. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wendy, what would you advise to individuals who... Would I be correct in calling them triggers? Is that co the correct word to use? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. What would you advise to clients who are very aware of what their triggers are, be it a 
person or a, a food group or a, a situation at work, stress, tiredness, what would you say to someone who does actually have a degree of a, an awareness of what their triggers are? Mm-hmm. Great question. So one, yeah, recognize what it is. Is it environmental? Is it emotional? Is it physical? Or is it a specific kind of food? understand the specific trigger, where it comes from, right? Because awareness is key. Once we are aware, then we can embody the change. Mm -hmm. So recognize what it is. See if you need to delve into the past of it. Some people do, some people don't. So do you need to understand more of where it came from or are you okay just letting it be? Everybody's different. And then recognize on paper first, what can you do different? People so just want to do different, but don't plan it out. So what do you want to do different next time? So when I come home and I go straight to my kitchen, I want to be able to reroute and not go straight to my kitchen. So I'm actually going to come in the front door instead of the garage door. And then I'm going to go up to my bedroom. So I totally avoid the environmental trigger. And up in my bedroom, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to put on comfortable clothes. I'm going to put my hair up. And then and only then will I come downstairs. But mapping it out like that on paper is really helpful. People forget that step. They just want to go, oh, I I keep doing this. I hate that I do this. I don't want to do this anymore. But they never stop to think about what they can do different. What, what can, right? It's always on the, I can, I can, I hate this about myself. I don't want to do this. I hate that I do this. But everybody forgets, like, you got to paint the vision of what you can do and where you can go and how it can look different. And it's important to put that down on paper, do you feel, to act, to write it down? I do. Because without that, we process in so many ways. So if you just think it in your brain, you're only using that one instance, right? That one way of learning. But if you write it down, it's kinesthetic. If you look at it, it's visual. If you say it out loud, it's auditory. Mm -hmm. But if you just keep it locked up in here, it just roves around like a little mouse on a wheel. Mm Wendy, this is something that I um, encountered with a client quite recently. They were very adamant that they wanted to remove all triggering foods from their home. They felt that they had had a tendency to to overindulge and to um, feel out of control with their eating in the in the evenings. And their solution was to remove all triggering food groups mm. from their home. What do you recommend for? Is that the right action? Do you feel? Do you recommend your clients do that? It's a great question. So if somebody's desperate and is having a difficult time for a short period of time, I will say yes. And then you have to go through a reintroduction phase. You have to go through a period where then you can take that food outside of the home and learn to eat it again if you want to. So it's not a forever. It's just a for now. So you can take it out of the home for now. And then we'll work on the forever. I think having that um, acknowledgement that things can change, things can get better. Mm-hmm. And there is hope 
is is so important. Do you have any words of advice or any messages of hope for someone who's in a situation at the moment where they haven't gotten to where they want to go and they sometimes feel as if they never will? Yeah, so I've started to say this lately and it came up in a group that I was running because many of the women were kind of expressing, I'm not sure if I'll ever get better or like I take one step forward and five step back, so back and I, I do this, but I can't get that, you know? Um, and, and I said, you know, here's the thing. It's true in life and it's true in food, right? Practice, not perfection. Progress, not perfection. That's how we get where we want to go. I very often uh, describe, and I hope I'm going to get validation from an expert here, that uh, our relationship with food is, is very much like a skill sometimes. And like all skills that we have in life, we we have to practice and we have to refine and we learn. Sometimes we make mistakes, uh, but yep. it is a, a longer term journey. And you're nodding your head. So I, I hope I'm uh, I hope I'm barking up the right tree with that one. Absolutely. You know, it's like when you first ride a bike, you fall off. I remember I rode down my road. I made a left turn. I didn't know how to make a left turn and I fell. But I ride a bike a lot now because I kept practicing and now I have it. And it can really be the same thing with food. We are so off course and off base with how we eat a lot of times that it does take practice to get back to where we know we can be. It's just about practicing. It's not about perfection. I'm going to end on that very uh, hopeful message. And Wendy, I can't thank you enough for your time today. It's been wonderful to have you and to hear uh, your take and your perspective on your work with uh, with your clients. And I think and I hope a lot of people will leave this episode feeling very relieved and inspired, motivated. And I want to rectify a situation that they're in but they don't always have to be um so i want to say a huge thank you for your time if anyone is interested in connecting with you and to find out more about you where can they do so where's the best place to find you yeah the easiest place to find me is www.wendyfrancis.com and hosts everything that i do my online courses my books my groups and my individual sessions I will link everything in the show notes below. Wendy, your website, your your podcast, which is a brilliant resource for anyone who wants to go deeper into the topic. And again, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate you. What a wonderful energy, a wonderful message. And I can't thank Wendy enough for her time. This is one of these recordings where I feel very lucky, almost a bit selfish, if I'm honest, to be in the interview seats and be taking in Wendy's energy there live on the recording as she dives into a topic that is so obviously important to her. She's so free-flowing, she's so natural, she speaks from the heart with a wealth of experience. It's really hard not to be captivated and to be soothed by her is really how I felt when I was having that conversation. The breathing exercise, so super short, was it less than a less than a minute, had such a unexpected effect on me. And again, you you won't see unless you you watch the the whole recording. My whole demeanor changed after that one very 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 short exercise. It was almost like 
a, a huge weight had been lifted and it just goes to the power of of connection and taking a wider lens and ultimately that's the message that I took away from this episode. The, the really the crux of this episode was this importance of of zooming out and looking at a wider picture of our overall happiness. The phrase "our relationship with food" is often a re- reflection of our relationship with ourselves. Really hit home for me, and I think for a lot of us, if this has been a recurring problem, binge eating or or emotional eating, perhaps more so. It's not something that we can resolve overnight necessarily, but if we have been using it as this mask, as this, really this this crutch, looking at our life in a wider picture and seeing what are the things that are making me happy? Where am I not feeling fulfilled? And how can I really go to the root and find resolutions for those things before I put all of my effort and energy into, or blaming binge eating or emotional eating going to the root as ever thank you the listener for spending your time with us on the podcast i know your ears could be on any other platform and i sincerely appreciate it if you have a message regarding this topic if it's something that you feel you are struggling with at the moment and if it's something that we have maybe been able to give you even a glimmer of a different perspective on today i would love to hear from you as an individual. I've been very open previously about my struggles with uh, extreme dieting in the past. So it's an area I not only feel very strongly about, but having gone through a degree of that process myself, it's an area that I know when you are in the middle of it, it can feel very, very difficult to navigate. So if, if you would love to be brave and share your journey, I would love to hear from you on a, on a personal note. So thank you for spending uh, time with us on the podcast. As ever, if you would love to support us, there's three ways of doing so. Hit subscribe, follow or like on your podcast platform, share to your social media platform. We love to see how far reaching the podcast uh, goes across the world or share with a someone close to you who in this instance maybe you have an inkling or you know that that person is struggling with this subject and it's easier for us to chat to them on the platform rather than rather than you so send to someone that you think might find it valuable and as ever if you think one-to-one coaching is a route that you'd like to go down and you think that we are the best team for you we'd love to hear from you if our message resonates with you if our ethos in health hacks resonates with you we might be the right team the best way to find out is to book in on a 15-minute discovery call you can do so in the show notes below and the purpose of that call is very very simply for us to get to know you get to know more about your current lifestyle but more importantly where you want to go in the remainder of 2023 the fastest most efficient way for us to do that is to meet and to have a quick conversation the show notes will also include the links to all of Wendy's contact details if you're interested more about her program, her teachings and her um, her social media. That will all be linked in the show notes below. I believe she has a brand new Instagram, so you'll be able to find that there. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we will catch you next week on Health Hacks.